I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to what the... Wait, no. How do we start? Hi, Maddie. Hi, Nick. <laughs> Welcome to What the Fuck is Happening with Podcast. It's not like we've almost done 100 episodes of this. I also I think drew we a have. complete blank. I was like, I don't know how we we've start. We've fully <laughs> done 100 episodes. Wow. We didn't even do a 100 episode special? No, because we started from scratch again. Did we? Yep. We're back at one, two, three. This is episode four. Wow. Of season one. That's crazy. I'm referring to it as season 2023. <laughs> so fair. So like... This is 2023, episode four. Love that. Okay. Love it. Okay, cool. Did I say welcome to What the Fuck is Happening in the Podcast? I don't know. Welcome to What the Fuck is <laughs> Happening in the Podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> this week, the elephant in the room. Yes. Is. Is. That Maddie has really smooth weenuses. Thank you. Mm. I appreciate that. I don't put any effort into maintaining them whatsoever, but. I appreciate you noticing nonetheless. They don't at all feel like elbows. Yours is fine too. Yeah, but you can like feel the crinkles in the skin. Yours are like, there's no crinkle. Which is making me think maybe you're a clone. Maybe you're a Megan. You know? I would be so lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Would you? Would Would I? (laughs) Would you? Would you? Yes. You would? Yes. Iconic. (laughs) It's giving Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Have you you've seen that, right? That interview with them? I totally thought that's what you were just referencing. That's so no, funny. I'll send it to I you. I was being gross. I was saying, would you fuck a clone of yourself? Oh. Like, would you fuck a... Well, there's, there's an Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone interview where they're both very clearly high. And Emma Stone says to Andrew Garfield, would you? Would you? Would you? And she never finishes the question and he... Like, says yes and then they both break down into extreme laughter it's hilarious nice. <laughs> jamie fox is also there and he's like what, what is going on yeah <laughs> i always okay i always uh, with like press junkets mm-hmm. and like interviews and shit i always am able to categorize them into the press junket for the hunky games catching fire <laughs> the way you just dribbled i didn't mean to <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm always able to sort celebrity interviews into like Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutchison, or Liam Hemsworth. And right. do you know why? It's because what what do you call like a tr- a trinary, like a three a binary, but it's three. <laughs> uh let's just three. say it's a trinary and pretend that's a thing. Okay. Um, so it's a trinary. And there's the three archetypes, which are the Josh Hutchison, the Jennifer Lawrence, and the Liam Hemsworth. Right. And they correlate perfectly. And one to one to one <laughs> to SpongeBob, Patrick, and Squidward. <laughs> okay. All right. Wait, can I guess? Sure. Who's who? I didn't see any Hunger Games Catching Fire press junkets, so I might be completely wrong here. But I think, um, I think 
that Liam Hemsworth is Squidward. Mm-hmm. I think Jennifer Lawrence is SpongeBob and Josh Hutchinson is Patrick. Was I correct? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Obviously it works and it's replicable. So. It's very replicable. <laughs> the, I, I, and, I, and, I, and what you just said. We clearly had Emma Stone being SpongeBob, Andrew Garfield being Patrick, Patrick. and Jamie Foxx being Squidward. So true. So true. Wow. I think it's... Does it help anything? Does it add any... any? Does it have any real world relevance? No. This but is what we call a cold open to the podcast. <laughs> Completely. Maybe that's like my special talent. <laughs> They're like, hey, ooh, I can, I can cartwheel with my eyes closed. And I'm like, I can... Come up with a random Compare subject. interview junkets for movies. Fair. Fair. To the SpongeBob cast. As one should, to be honest. The SpongeBob cast is iconic. Go off. I love SpongeBob. The show. Not necessarily the character. I do love the character, though. Anyway, moving on. So, the elephant in the room this week. Wait, did we just do that? I don't know. Smoothliness, yes. Smoothliness. Okay, I don't know how we got from I that. I think we just jump into a few topics that we want to talk about. Yes. Puppy culture moments this week. Yes. And then our main topic, should we... Should we come up with a word? Pacomo? Pop culture moments? Yes, we should. I totally think we should. Pacomo woe? <laughs> what is the woe? Pacomo we. Pacomo we. What is Pop that? culture moments of the week. Pacoma Woe. <laughs> okay. I like it. Pacoma Woe. <laughs> One. <laughs> um, is that Taylor Swift? Oh, Taylor Swift. It's fucking wild. I... Oh, wild. There are so many... Wait, okay, wait. There's Because there's two different things to talk about with Taylor Swift this week, which is A, her releasing some songs, and B, the errors to her starting. Right. Well, we don't need to talk about the songs, because all, I, all we have to say about that is that they... Oh, uh, you want to talk about the, the fact backdated, that backdated? Because I think it's so unhinged. Why would she not release them as an EP? I agree, but there's nothing to actually say about it. Aside Give from what context. was she thinking? Oh, okay. So she released four songs, <laughs> all from different, well, three different eras of albums. Sure. And instead of releasing them as a single EP, what she's done is release them Two albums retrospectively. <laughs> so right, yeah. a song has been added to the Lover album. Two songs have been... Oh, no. One well, song no, has been they added haven't to been added to the album. They've been added kind of as singles, but they're using the same artwork it's... and stuff. Yeah. Yes, but if you go into the album on Apple Music or Spotify, the new songs aren't there. Okay. It's, it's more, if you think of it as a timeline. Yes. And... You don't have to think of it it's because that's what it literally is. It literally is. If you go into the albums and stuff on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, they are obviously ordered in most recent yeah. to oldest. Yes. Um, for some reason, With I don't dates even know. With attached to them. Years attached to them. Saying, this album came out in 2023. This album came out in 2021. Whatever. Yeah, it was the release date. Um, yeah. This is important context for this. <laughs> she released these four songs. <laughs> yeah. Um... And she said, you know and what I'm going to do? she just kind of <laughs> assigned them to piggyback on the albums. Yeah. That she has previously released. So she used the same artwork, the same, uh, like, album, album name. Title. Um, and everything. And timeline-wise, they are in place of the singles for that album. Yeah. Released before the album. Even though that's not true and they never happen like that. Yeah. So, for example, 
the song that is released for the Lover album says it came out in 2020, no, 2019. It's like, it didn't. It came out in 2023. It leaked in 2019. <laughs> I mean, fair. But like, no, I don't know. I just think that's so unhinged. Like, we are just living in a lawless land. I mean, you can just say something unhinged. came out whenever you want to say it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Not no. I think it feels especially weird with love is probably the one that makes the most sense because the other three are kind of higgledy poggledy yeah. boogledy boobledy. They are. You know, the, um, well, that's why they should have just been released as an EP. <laughs> What's the song? If this were a movie? No. Y- yeah. Something. If I were a movie, or if, if we were a movie or something like that. Yeah. That was originally released on speak now. Yeah. As part of Her the album, speak, speak now, now album. Now. Yeah. I think that's not true. It was part of the deluxe. Interesting. Okay. So the original Still. album released and the original album was entirely self-written. Yes. She was the only songwriting credit right. or lyricist on the album. Right. Then she released the deluxe edition with six or eight extra songs or whatever. This song was on that. Yes. Um, And it was the only song on the deluxe album that wasn't written right. exclusively by her. Right. So people have assumed that... Mm. When they Ex- were, she just released this and she backdated it to be released with uh, fearless, fearless Taylor's version. Yeah, yeah. Meaning, she's kind of yeah, yeah, something like that. But she's added it to it's the been fearless. Backdated to tw- no, no. She. It's been tw- yes, no, yes. It's been backdated it was- to twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. But it has the fearless album cover and it says it's a fearless single, Sing- single, Swingle. single. Yeah. <laughs> which means it's she's not, basically yeah. reassigned it from the Speak Now album to the fearless album, which is also unhinged. Which people are confused about, but also people are justifying as um, she when she re-releases Speak Now as Taylor's version, she wants it to be able to be able to say that it's um entirely self written. I mean, again, it's like it all. I totally understand that there are probably reasons for all of what she's just done, but it's but unhinged. there are rules. <laughs> it's unhinged because it's been released, backdated to twenty twenty one as part of Fearless Taylor's version. Yeah, technically speaking, you would backdate it if you're backdating it all. At all. Speak now. You backdate it too. Yeah. Anyway, two thousand nine, or just release it with Speak Now. You know, separately. Yeah, exactly. Like, why did it come out now at all? I mean, obviously, I know we know why. It, we assume we know why it came out, which is so that she can have the writing credits to herself for Speak Now. Anyway, all very weird. And then the other unhinged thing she well, did no, this week. The two other songs, the most important oh. songs that she released, are Safe and Sound and Eyes Open from the Hunger Games yes. soundtrack. Now, I didn't think she would ever re record these because I thought there would be some kind of legal. Mm. Um, crossover with yeah. perhaps Universal or whoever it is. Lionsgate having yeah. the rights to the songs or whatever, but I guess yeah. not. She re-recorded them. Yeah. Um, and the original songs, the Hunger Games soundtrack was released in March of 2012. Okay. Red came out October 2012. Interesting. These songs, obviously not part of Red, in fact, people actually, she released these two songs as part of the Hunger Games soundtrack. Yeah. And back in 2012, people were like, oh, so her next album's going to be kind of low-key. Yeah. Like, soft, rocky kind yeah. of vibes. No, this was very much just for the Hunger Games. Yeah. Um, uh, but, so she's backdated these and made them part of Red, Red Taylor's, Taylor's version. version. Again, 
fuck just make them eat peas it just doesn't make well sense. i think these two specifically don't make sense because they don't belong on an album they're standalones but not even that i just think that like sonically and musically yeah they don't fit if you listen to all of red taylor's version including the vault tracks and then you got to the end and it was you, it automatically played so yeah. you can sound at eyes open you'd be like what the fuck <laughs> what was she on when she wrote these two compared to when she wrote the rest yeah yeah that's really they're fair. drastically different to anything on red it's really really fair um but again eyes open is one of her best songs I think, honestly, it must be because she didn't want to interrupt the Midnight's era with these weird standalone-ish kind of songs. Um, but why would she release mm. them now at all? Yeah. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> like, I what was the impetus I, behind I, I this? She should have. No, I, I reckon she should have still released them now. I just think she should have, um, like we said earlier, put them in a four-song EP. Yeah. Call it the era's singles or the errors um, yeah standalones or yeah something, so true and just use the poster from the errors tour yeah. as the album cover yeah weird um, it's really weird anyway it was a choice moving on then to the errors tour because this is the other unhinged thing I'm that like taylor did this genuinely week. still trying to process yeah this so last night for us for us yesterday for america whatever um uh, taylor performed the first date of the errors tour errors 52 day tour yes if you haven't seen anything about this let us blow your minds yes (laughs) well no one the visuals the spectacle phenomenal there's a moment as always the stage floor even has screens screen yeah she dives into the stage that's being projected to look like water yeah and then they have a projection version of her swimming along yeah. the catwalk all the way to the other side, other stage. There's two yeah. stages on both sides. Uh, sw- swimming all the way to the other side. And then she pops out at the other end in a new outfit change and everything, obviously. But like, it's just like the most insane stuff. So visually and everything, super impressive, super insane. It's so I insane. I don't think anyone predicted the fact that she would make the concert three hours and 15 minutes long. I don't understand it. Give us some context for how long a normal concert is. One and a half hours. Max. <laughs> Max. Max. I've, never, I've been to probably 10 concerts in my life. Yeah. In my, I say in my life, in my adult life, I should yeah. say. None of them have gone for more than an hour 45. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, For a lot of reasons, mostly of which is the sheer stamina that is required for that is unheard it is of. insane it is insane so she did the, three the hours physical and mental toll oh for sure previously has been too much for any other musician yeah the problem is that they're all mortals <laughs> and taylor swift is a goddess a deity. she is not human anymore she has well, i haven't transcended she really has i haven't fact checked this so i don't know how true it is but i have seen people saying online that yes even though she's performing back to back in specific cities when she moves city, there is a week a between gap. each, like, city, basically. Yeah. Probably half because of the amount of stage that needs to be bumped in and bumped yeah. out. Because it's fucking insane it's how huge. big this stage is. It's even bigger than the Reputation stage, and I thought that was it's massive. It's also very cinematic, so the entire thing screens. Yeah. But, like, 
insanely huge insanely huge um so yes so she did three hours and 15 minutes she performed 44 maybe 45 songs if you count the intro of miss americana and cruel summer mashup like Mm. if you count miss americana as its own thing 45 songs and she did 16 outfit changes what the fuck (laughs) she played i think between four and eight songs for each album she did. Well, yeah, she well, she only did one for debut and for Speak Now, which yeah. is interesting, but the rest of them she did multiple. People are speculating that for Speak for. Now, once she releases the Taylor's version, it'll be yeah. um, do more. But then I'm like, but then why does it in nineteen eighty nine have And Reputation? Six songs, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It doesn't make any know. sense. Um uh, I think it's fucking cool that she is giving the fans this much. Oh, for sure. For sure. Not just like for their money, but like I think it's cool that for people who haven't seen a lot of the songs perform. Yeah, well, when she said Era's tour, she fucking meant it. She meant it. <laughs> she meant it. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> with the reason we're so gagged by this is just purely because of the length of three hours. Oh, yeah, minutes. for sure. It's like deeply wild. It is deeply wild. It is, and I don't think. Like, it's hard to grasp how deeply wild it is if you haven't been to other concerts before, like, and and seen that they only perform for an hour and a half. Mm. And it's like, you can see at the end of it that an artist is exhausted. Yeah. I, I just don't understand how she can be. And so many of the videos that I saw of her were, it, like, the spotlight was on her. There weren't a lot of backup dancers there were, but not consistently. So there were a lot of the time she mm. was alone on yeah. stage. And it's like... The sole focus is on her for those three fucking hours, you know? Like, that's, that's, it's, oh, I just can't get my head around it. Yeah. I, no, I agree. And I think, um, the fact that, I'm sorry, they're like, vocally, that has to be intense. It really must be intense. I'm convinced that she must have more, um, she must be doing more lip syncing this time than she usually does, which, like, fucking fair. (laughs) Completely understandable. Not even lip syncing, but like. Backing vocals, you mean? Oh, yeah. Well, I, probably both. Um, probably both. Usually what artists do is it's... Uh, sometimes they will lip sync a whole song, but typically what they actually do is that it's like almost... They switch out line by line, so they'll lip sync... Like, sorry, so they'll sing maybe like the, the one line of the chorus, and then if there's like oohs and ahs, that yeah. will be backing vocals, but they'll make it seem like they're syncing it singing it when they're yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so it's not typically like they just sing yeah pretend to sing a whole song they can pink did it in her um funhouse tour she did a couple of songs that were just like full lip syncs mm. um but like it's not typically what kind of happens um but who fucking knows what she's doing for this because it's three hours and 45 songs it's pretty wild <laughs> who knows it's unprecedented yeah <laughs> yeah mm. anyway moving interesting. on interesting mm. moving on to the next topic you said you had topics. <laughs> I do. I'm just processing. It's a lot. It is so much. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand how she's going to take the show international. She's already doing, she's doing 50 shows for the US. Like, how is she going to do? Oh, God, I don't understand. I mean, the second night of the Glendale Eras tour probably ended a couple of hours ago. We haven't yeah, checked. but that's true. Maybe she cut it down. Maybe it's only two hours for the rest of us, you know? Very possible. Maybe that's just because it was the opening show. I mean, I kind of... 
I mean, that would be a bit of a dick move to like set up expectations and then not follow through. <clears throat> but also I would completely understand because that's a big mm. commitment. <laughs> oh, she's also doing an acoustic version of a song every night. Yeah, surprise and song. she's not planning on repeating any songs. How interesting. So she's planning on having 52 songs not in the set list. Yeah, interesting. That she's going to do acoustic versions of. Very interesting. Well, apparently 45 songs is only 20% of her entire discography, so I totally believe that. Mm. <laughs> totally believe that. She also did the 10-minute version of All Too Well. Which is iconic. So iconic. So iconic. I'm probably most excited for that. I'm the same. Like, actually, no, Cruel Summer number Cruel one. Cruel Summer, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry for being a new idea. Um, yeah, I have a bone to pick with you. Oh no, what about? You went to Sydney. I did. That's not my issue. <laughs> skipping along from that (laughs) my issue is that you went to a play i did and you didn't tell me about it oh there's not really much to say i don't want to slander anybody live on the podcast but it was average (laughs) i know i know i know i will don't tell us the name of the play i won't or of any of the characters why it was average i mean overall it was fine it was just the main character the actor did not do a particularly good job and it kind of ruined the whole thing um yeah yeah (laughs) yeah is that the first play you've been to no no it's definitely not um but we went saw it at the opera house that's cool. Yeah, which was really well, cool. Now so I was what ex- it is. Yeah, they probably do. They might not. They don't know when I went to Sydney. Who knows? There are a lot of plays constantly being back and forth at Sydney. Anyway. Sure. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, so I was expecting something like kind of more, more bigger. Than, more bigger. More bigger. I was expecting Speaking something bigger. Playwrights, big- you clearly have a way with words. Yeah. More bigger. <laughs> I was expecting something more bigger than what we got. It's giving more bigly. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but okay. I'm pretty sure that's something Trump said in an official speech. Jesus. Anyway. Stop. I've seen shows at Lismore that were better than that. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> Go off. Um, yeah. Do you have anything to say about Ed Sheeran naming his new album Subtract? Yeah, why? <laughs> I mean, I think you told me why. Well, but I'm like, do something new with the title. Do something new. It's just it, so predictable. It really, it really is. I think um, it's kind of a bit like you didn't put any effort in <laughs> to naming your your albums. Um, so for the context of me, what I told Nick. Yeah. is that Ed Sheeran basically said that he has been writing this album called Subtract for more than 10 years um, and he'd finished what he thought was the album and then last year or maybe 2021, mm-hmm. um, his wife was pregnant and she got diagnosed with cancer but they mm-hmm. couldn't operate um, because she was pregnant and also his best friend died. So that all happened in, within the space of a month and then he said that again, within the, about the space of a month, he rewrote the entire album Subtract because his whole worldview changed so drastically from what happened. Mm. Um, and so that's the album that we're getting now. Interesting. 
I'm not really sure that means he needs means to, to name, name it, it and subtract. subtract though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that actually means because it's not the album that he thought it was, he's free from the conventions of his own binding um and can name it something else. T. <laughs> and that's that. And that's that. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's the same with Adele with Dirty yeah, Though. That's what I was so I'm say. like we're not picking on Ed Sheeran specifically. No, I see I think it makes sense if you do it as like a trilogy. Three albums, that I makes agree. sense. It's a long story. Once you go past three, it's kind of like, oh, now you're just being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So and that does go for both Ed Sheeran and Adele. Yeah. Do something better. Very that. <laughs> um Did you see that Demi Lovato? No, I didn't. <laughs> Work. Um, Demi Lovato, it's just been announced, is directing a documentary um, oh. about child stardom. Interesting. Good on them. Right? I'm very excited for this. And I, I, I hope that Demi's able to kind of um, not just tell their own story. Yeah. But even... Delve a bit deeper into it. Get some friends. That's what I was... Yeah, that's what I was going to say is get some friends in. Get people from the shows and all that stuff. Like... Because I mean, I, think... I didn't watch Selena Gomez's documentary. I didn't either. But I'm pretty sure she touches on stuff like that because she's been... Yeah. Like, she was in, like, the Mickey Mouse Club or whatever, wasn't she? Barney, I think it was. Barney. Yeah. Barney. 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 Anyway, yeah. Interesting. That would be really, really... That could be cool. That could be really cool because I think she was in an era of Disney that most of us are familiar with. Um, Mm. And it means that she can draw upon a lot of people who all of us would be like, well, this is someone who I know of and it would be really interesting to see their take on it. Mm -hmm. And so many of them have had different paths. So if you think of like what's happened to Selena versus what's happened to Miley versus what happened to the Jonas Brothers Mm. versus what happened to like Sterling Knight, for example. Mm. Like I think there are a lot of really interesting and different perspectives that could kind of come from that. Well, I don't know if you've seen... Maybe our expectations are too um, high already. I don't know if you've seen like the TikTok previews um, from the Wizards of Waverly Place podcast thing. So oh, I did see this was a thing. Uh, I can't remember the actors' names, as is, but um, Harper, yeah, Harper and the dad, yeah, yeah, have a podcast where they like recap the show or whatever, and they yep. had Selena Gomez on a recent episode. Yes, they did. Um, and they sort of touched on the fact that she went on to superstardom. Yeah, and they kind of all, it sounds mean, but faded back into yes, yeah, yeah, obscurity. <laughs> you know, interesting. Um, and she. She being Selena, uh, like apologized to them and talked to them about the fact that she kind of abandoned them all. Yeah. And didn't yes. stick like close to them and shit. I don't know. I, it, it, it was interesting, but I'm like. Well, I mean, I'm not that I know basically any details about that situation. Aside from the fact that the person who plays Harper, she hasn't even continued on with an act. No, she's she an ER nurse. Yeah. So she's like gone for a completely different mm. career. She's not even trying to be an actor anymore. Whether that was by choice or by circumstance. Again, I don't know enough detail mm. to be able to speculate on, but um yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I Two guess I think I just brought that up because clearly other child actors have things to say. Oh yeah. Is what I was getting yeah, at. Fair. So I think that um Demi 
brunch. I think it's going to be a big task to undertake. Yeah. And I think especially for someone with well-documented um, mental health issues, mm. I hope that she has a support system in place to kind of... Um, she goes by she, she, they, doesn't she? They? <laughs> doesn't she, they? them. Oh, okay. I think. Well, Demi, I hope, has a support system who... Um, yeah. Is on the journey. Yes. And is there for every step of the way. So fair. Very reasonable. Does that make sense? It does make a lot of sense. Because it sounds intense. It does sound intense. It's, it's, it's almost like making a documentary about your own trauma. Mm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think when you're a celebrity, people aren't necessarily very receptive to their trauma. I think they kind of go, oh no, bad things happen to you. You're rich. Yeah. I, I think I think we've changed as a society. I would, I would hope that that's true. It's a not lot. what I've seen, but I hope that that's true. I mean, now we encourage celebrities and stuff to talk out, like with Paris Hilton and people were very, Demi very accepting of like, Paris Hilton. I feel like Who we kind of recently. I mean, Britney, like yeah, Britney, that was very true. It feels very two thousands and early two thousand tens. For us to be like, oh, boo-hoo, you've got problems, you're a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. And that we still obviously do that to an extent, but, like, when it's actually serious, I feel like we give them... Yeah. The... The, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I don't know what and I'm saying. And I hope that that's true. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, This is going to anger you. Oh, no. It angered me. Oh no. But James Cameron's Avatar 3, oh. tentatively titled The Seed Bearer, which. That's so sexual, it's not even funny. Right? <laughs> I'm like, ma'am, go on to one gay porn site. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be plenty of movies already titled The Seed so Bearer. <laughs> okay, ma'am. So funny. Honestly, even straight porn, to be perfectly honest. Period. I don't think that's... That's... Did you... Oh, oh my God. There was... A... Martin Freeman? Yeah. That's gone. What was it? It was a hair stuck on your face. One of my hairs. Oh, ew. I know. I'm sorry. They get everywhere. Ew. Okay, no. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, there was a Martin Freeman... Martin Freeman's the guy from Sherlock, right? Yes. Yeah. There was a Martin Freeman show, like, half hour comedy family comedy about mm-hmm. like whatever mm-hmm. and it was called breeders right <laughs> like the rabbits breed a lot and it's reference to that and stuff no but a tweet went viral that was like breeders until someone didn't have a gay intern <laughs> yeah. until the studio did not have someone gay on the marketing team yeah and they were right <laughs> i feel like we, they just every marketing team for movies and shows and stuff needs to have a young person on the team yeah who's not afraid yes to be like guys actually urban dictionary says this means this yeah <laughs> yeah it's really true you it's know? so literally as soon as you said breeders my first thing was like oh that's kinky right like immediate first thought immediate i i genuinely i have no idea what that show could be about other than sex so yes anyway this isn't what's going to anger you about avatar 3 oh right sorry <laughs> The thing that's going to anger you about Avatar 3, the seed bearer. Uh Uh-huh. Seed bearer. Just to interrupt really quick. Sorry, we can cut this out. Avatar 3, the cocaine bearer. Are we going to record this and go do something? Or are you going to go and just leave? 
well, I need to tell mum whether I'm having dinner with her or not. Um, there's a scream at seven. Okay. We can attempt to do that. We can. Um, Maddie's texting, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. There is... Actually, I'm going to clap. There <laughs> is... It's just come out that, uh... They're far enough along in Avatar 3, the seed bearer, the cocoon bearer, that they have, like, an idea of how long it's going to be and all this stuff. Wow. And James Cameron's like... No! Is it going to be really long? Well, it's... Uh, it's going to be three hours again. Mm. But it sounds like um, James Cameron's basically... It's come out that he um, wants to do... I don't know how to say it. He's made... I don't really know how to say this. Um, he has nine hours worth of footage that is usable. Right. And once the film's been theatrically released... No. He wants to do a nine-hour... Director's cut? Into... But, like, as a series. So he's like a TV cut series. nine episodes or eight episodes of a TV show for Disney Plus that's going to be released eight or 12 months after the movie's released in cinemas. I just think that's a dangerous precedent. <laughs> it really, really, really is. And... I actually also think that it's really bad storytelling. I haven't seen either of these things, but I don't, if you have nine hours of footage and you think all of them are integral, fucking either make it a TV show Mm. or get rid of hours and make it a movie. Mm. And that's that. You can't fucking have it both ways. It's not a best of both worlds, Hannah Montana situation. I agree. (laughs) And this goes back to, I can't remember what we said it about, but if your script, yeah, if your screenplay, yeah, has nine hours worth of content yeah. in it, don't shoot it, don't shoot and it, and be like, we'll cut it down. Yeah, no. One, that's not going to be good for the cut down version. The cut down version no. is going to feel like it's missing things. Yeah. Despite the fact that it's three hours and fifteen minutes long, you're not gonna. Yeah, you can't get the full story because you fucking haven't got the full story trim it, trim it as much as you can before fucking <laughs> yeah, filming yeah absolutely and two is there really a world in which nine episodes of an avatar show that are just an expanded version of the three-hour cinema release is entertaining it's just such a fucking wank fest it's like james it cameron is. is like you know what? The people want nine hours of my amazing movie. We fucking don't. We want one or the goddamn other. We want a tight 90 minutes. <laughs> we want a tight 90 minutes. We do. And we maybe don't. maybe a behind the scenes Disney Plus special that goes for 45 minutes. Right? Yeah. I yeah. don't want. I don't want. I don't, three, and a, three hours don't, and ten minutes is too long for this one. It's too Nine long. hours is too long for the next one. It's actually, no, it's insane. It's insane. Things have gotten so out of hand. I genuinely, and not just with him, like if we think about the four hour version of the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, I think it was. And even though, again, it was too long, it was basically unwatchable because of how long it was. It did add so much more context and story to the original movie. And again, the point is, if you can't tell the story in two hours, rewrite yeah. the fucking story. That's I, that's what it, we were. That's what I was referencing. Yeah, I can't remember what is we back when that released, we were like, this version is drastically better. Yeah, but it's not, but, but it, is it, there it, any reality in which Snyder could have cut this down into even two and a half hours? Yeah, 
and made a cohesive film that was well received. Yeah. I don't think so, personally. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Just, yeah. You need to start again, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I think it's really very much a reflection of how egotistical Hollywood directors and screenwriters are. Mm. Um, I mean, faulty. A lot of the time, James Cameron is justified. You know, he, he does have... There's he, a difference between a three-hour Titanic film and a nine-hour. His mouth is. He's like got the highest-grossing movies of all time, so clearly he's doing something right. But I think he also at least pushes the envelope quite a lot in his. Oh, in so his you films. mean his ego is justified? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, 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 exactly. I um, mean, uh, yes and no, because is but, he allowed to be proud of what he's done? Absolutely. Is he allowed? To write a nine-hour movie. No, he's fucking not. <laughs> and, and, and expect to be able to cut it down to three. No. Well, and expect to be able to cut it down to three, but also expect that people want to see that much footage twice. <laughs> it's true. And also, Avatar The Way of Water was holding on. The plot was like a thread. Yeah. You if know? you want to make a pretty movie, just make a fucking documentary instead. Yeah. Not, like. No. <laughs> not, that no. doesn't make any sense. All right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> cut scene. Cut scene. We Again. we we um are interrupting this broadcast. To... We are. I don't know where we got up to. It was like three hours ago. I don't remember. <laughs> to let you know that the second half of the pod is a very exciting um review of The Last of Us season it one. It is. Yes. Special guest for half of it. Chelsea. Woo! Oh my god! I wish we still had the cheering thing on the roadcaster. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> um so please enjoy that um, yes but anyway, anyway so we're letting you know that we've got a different a review. review yes not what we originally planned but i think i think it's fun and fresh and cute and fun and i all totally those agree things. so yeah. please enjoy yay welcome to what the fuck is happening in the podcast all right i'm nick i'm maddie i'm chelsea yay chelsea's back guest this week not this week. This isn't a normal episode. This is no, a review special episode. Special review episode, yes. And for the special review episode, we are reviewing season one Ugh. of The Last, the last of Us. <laughs> what did you say? I, she said The Last of Us, but she didn't wait for me to say it together. Oh. Sorry. You were taking so long. It's called dramatic effect. <laughs> okay, sorry. You start again. We are reviewing No, no it's too late. One. It's too late. You've ruined the whole thing. <laughs> Um, the elephant in the room for this review episode is that I'm already mad at Maddie. That's so true. He is. He's because she didn't play the song I wanted in the car, and I said, Maddie, if you don't play the song I want in the car, then specifically Vanessa Alan Rossi, this is me. Then Just, I'm going to be grumpy for the rest of the afternoon. So everyone's aware that was more than an hour ago, and he is still holding on to that grudge. Mm. So I gave you a warning. I said I'll be grumpy <laughs> all afternoon. Anyway, so review episode. We don't have long. I'm trying to look at the time. We don't have long, so let's get straight into it. Do we need an elephant in the room for a review episode? I can't remember. You just did the elephant in the room. The actual elephant in the room this week is that I need to pre-warn you both that I will be one of those annoying defends it even when he knows (laughs) they made a wrong choice. 
I mean, that? I don't really know if there were that many wrong choices. I don't need any criticism, valid or not, okay? I'm just, I, that's what I'm saying. There is no criticism. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just say okay. Okay. Or if you do, I don't, I don't care, but I will fight you. That's fair. And I will fully uh, know in my heart that I am wrong. <laughs> but I will keep fighting. It's like okay. when someone tells her that anyway. John and Sansa are a bad ship. Maybe we don't need to a, address that right maybe now. Maybe even a weird, <laughs> weird ship. We're going to move on to that right now. when someone tries to tell Maddie that using fisting in a <laughs> isn't normal. Yeah. Oh my god, you people. You need to move on from me and let's go into The Last of Us. <laughs> now I'm fisting her leg. That's what she thinks fisting is. Oh my god! I don't have time to get into a, a, a literary debate. She doesn't have any time for fisting today. Okay, no, so if someone so was grabbing someone's butt, would you say they were fisting their butt? <laughs> I mean, I personally, the way I would describe it is that their hand has to go into a full fist. So this would count, but this doesn't. <laughs> So she, for context for listeners, so that I think Maddie's actually crazy. I mean, she is, but actually crazy. <laughs> she's talking about in like a spicy scene in a book or something. Well, not necessarily. In when a they like spicy grab the hair scene. to like yank on it to be sexy. Grab yeah. a fistful of hair. Yeah, fist a fistful of a shirt or a fistful of. Yeah, but the so I would say fistful. Fisting. You wouldn't as say verb. he fisted me. Yeah, he fisted my head. I wouldn't say fisted because I don't write in past tense. So he fists my head as I look at him in the eyes. Just sounds very violent. Like it it oh sounds like God. you're getting punched in the head. It could. I guess it could. Oh, it I got but... I got fisted outside the club tonight. Well, you don't say it in that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> anyway, moving on. This has nothing to do with zombies, apocalypses, or Daddy Pestro Pascal. Pestro Pestro. <laughs> Pesto. <laughs> Slay the house down for this, Mama. Pesto. Um, yeah. Yes. So, for additional context in reviewing the show, You're right. I have played the games, and yes. I'm like a hardcore fanboy. It's like my is the Last of Us. Um, they had both not played the game or anything. Nope. No, I had absolutely no idea what I was in for. Yeah. Am I correct in saying, Chelsea, you've seen bits of the game over the years? Um, only more recently. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, um, so yes, The Last of Us is HBO's new show. Yeah. Why did you just bring that towards me? Because your voice isn't being picked up as well as ours. And I am the most important. Um, the I'm HBO's The Last of that. Us is a new... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which way is the microphone actually recording? It's omnidirectional, so from everywhere. Oh, so you didn't change it? No, yeah. Okay. Um, HBO's The Last of Us is a new show that premiered in January. Yes. Nine episodes long. January. Wow. January. That was a long time ago. Um, based on the 2013 PlayStation Naughty Dog video game. Mm -hmm. Um, about a fungal zombie apocalypse. Yes. Uh, bloody cordyceps. Bloody cordyceps. But it's actually about like. A father-daughter relate like a dynamic. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, like an adoptive, like a foe, like found family kind of thing. Yeah, it's basically Pedro Pascal's character Joel is meant to be smuggling Ellie, mm -hmm. Bella Ramsey's character, across the country to this rebel group who think they can find a cure using the fact that 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, when I forced you to watch the show, why did you actually say yes to letting me force you? Like, why you watch this show weekly for the first time since Game of Thrones? Yeah. She's, she doesn't watch shows weekly. No, I don't. I don't. But this she it. did, and. Well, honestly, it was mostly because you kept bullying me about watching it, and then Mum and Dad and I were trying to find something to watch, and I was like, oh, well, there's this show that Nicholas wanted me to watch. I guess we could give it a go. And so we did, and then after that, it's like, well, I can't not watch it weekly because I'll get spoiled. So. Yeah. Do you hear that, kids? <laughs> Bullying works. <laughs> Peer pressure is important. For yeah. building the foundations of friendship. Exactly. exactly. And family. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Works. Anyway. So yeah, I was I was already in shock that Maddie was willing to watch a show weekly. Yes. Um. I wouldn't say willing, but I did. She watched it before I did every week. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Our fucking mum and dad love it. And she'd it. message me the second it finished and she'd be like, have you watched it? What? And I'm like, no, but you can't spoil it. So just tell me what you want to say because you can't spoil it for me. I already played the game. It's like 20 times. That never happened. So. <laughs> you never said I could talk to you about what would happen. Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, anyway. Moving on. Episodes. We don't need to have another argument. Chelsea's going to lose her mind. <laughs> anyway. I don't know how you want to structure this review. Um, well, let's see what Chelsea has to say, because we're probably going to have to pause in the middle so she can go. So let's start with Chelsea's opinion so that she can get them out. Okay, so fuck that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> well, like, I was going to be like, it's... just start. Are you... I know. No, but that's well, I like remember it. the way we normally review. Oh. The way we typically review things is that we each, up front, give it a 1 to 10 score. No decimals. No, 7.5, because this is not... If I wanted a 7.5 to be available for a reviewing standard, I would have made it between 0 and 100, and you could have said 75, but no. So no no, no 0.5s in this household. I feel like it might be a 7.8. Whole numbers only. So an (laughs) 8. No, I'd probably give it higher than that. I was just pulling your leg. Give it 9 out of 10. (laughs) That's really high. Are you going to say 9 out of 10? I would have said 9 out of 8 or 9. Sorry, 8.5, but that's 20 fine. 20 seconds ago, you said <laughs> I'd give it an 8.8, a 7.8, which was an 8. Joking. And I gave it a 9. I and you said that's too high? I yeah. feel like I would also give it between an 8 and a 9. <laughs> well, it's pick one. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'll give it okay, a 9. Okay, what decimal would you have given it? 8.5. Yeah. Well, then round up to a 9. That's how it works. That's how Ooh, it works. Or round down to an 8. But you don't round 5 down. You don't round 5 down. Yeah, but nine's too high and eight's too low. Yeah. It's a nine or an eight. Mm. If you're that conflicted, make it a fucking eight. I don't give a fuck. No, it's fine. It's a nine. So really, it's more like an 8.7. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so it's a nine. Eight or nine. No, pick one. Nine, then. So we gave it three nines. Yeah. Yeah. And if you flip that upside down, it's six, six, six. Bottoms up and the devil laughs. <laughs> Uh, I love that lady. Honestly, cast um, the monster queen in season two. I totally agree. She would do some iconic marketing. Mm. Yeah, she would. She would. Safe. Anyway, um, now we typically give it a score and then justify that. Yeah. So, do we want to just word vomit, or do we want like Chelsea to kind of? You start with the word vomiting. But if you have nothing, I we can, can start. go by story. We can go by acting, we can go by... Oh, like, do you want to break it up into... 
I mean, yeah, sure. Bits and bobs. We'll break it up into bits and bobs, I guess, because all of them. So true. The acting, let's just start with that because it's the one that is the easiest to talk about because it was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't a bad actor. That wasn't, not a bad. No. Not even a bad scene, let alone a bad whole actor. It was, it was actually incredible. Hmm. It was actually incredible. And absolutely, if those people, particularly Pedro and Bella, don't win Emmys for it, they would be robbed. It would be slanderous. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are there any standout acting moments? Because I, I can think of one immediately. I thought that it was just really cool that Ashley Johnson played. Yeah. That was absolutely um, iconic. If that you want facts, I can lay out a fact for every scene. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, no, an acting <laughs> standout for me was in episode six. With the Monica do chick? Is that the, is that her real name? Do you mean Melanie Linsky? I do. No. Oh. <laughs> Melanie Linsky absolutely fucking killed it. And yeah, she did. She gave she was like, terrifying. an incredible performance as someone who was unhinged. She and really also did. was forced into the role of yeah. a leader when she's very clearly not a leader. Yeah. And I think people were missing men were complaining that um, she wasn't a strong leader and it's like, that's, That's the, the point, point. Yolanda! <laughs> yeah. yeah, her brother was the leader, yeah. and she just had to... Right. And yeah. she was stepping up because she was unhinged and wanted to yeah. revenge. So that's the fucking point, Yolanda. Mm. Um, uh, no, it's in episode six when Sam and Henry die. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, oh. Bella's, like, little gasp, her little bimper. That's what I was talking yeah. about. Is yeah. the moment... It, that was in episode six... When um, I think Henry shoots Sam. Anyway, I don't either way, I think I think Sam's the little kid. Sam gets shot because he's turned into a zombie, and Bella just lets out like this guttural. Well, I think that was actually when um Henry shot himself, wasn't it? That she like. Oh, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was that scene. Um, it was like yeah. At the time, she was being attacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. Sam. Mm. So mm. I don't think that that was when she let out like yeah, the one was... I said that scene. Yeah, I know, no. Anyway, I know. It's just that moment. Narrow. It's when she let out that guttural scream. <laughs> also, to clarify, Bella Ramsey uses... They, them. No. I think she uses she, they. She, she they. uses she or they. Yeah. So it's fine. Um, I just wanted to clarify that because a lot of people do think that she just goes they, them. Nicholas was like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, that would still be misgendering, huh? Yes. Just like... Yeah, anyway... She did phenomenally in that scene. I mean, she did... I actually almost feel like she even did better than Pedro, but I feel like I think... Do you mean in that scene or... or no, or? in the overall. I feel like I think that because she actually, I felt like, ended up having more screen time than he did I in actually, the end. I don't disagree, but I agree because I think she had an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's really fair. I think she got introduced halfway through the first episode. Yeah. Um... She was the one with the mysterious background. We immediately had emotional stakes with Joel knowing yeah, his backstory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not only that, there was like a lot of men um, online, like toxic gross men, who yeah. were convinced Bella Ramsey was miscast as yeah, Bella. Yeah, yeah. So I think also from that respect, behind the scenes and also character-wise, she had an uphill battle to prove um, kind of herself. Yeah, yeah, I also feel like she gets put through more emotional turmoil oh over God. the series. Yeah, like this, really every like, episode is just cue that montage of Jamie Lee. <laughs> Do you not know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, it's fucking iconic. It's like this three minute montage and it's just every single press junket for the last Halloween movie. Mm. She'll go, you know, it's really a story about trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that repeated at like every single possible press junket. It's so fucking funny. 
um, every episode they were traumatized and so my god absolutely that's so true i think from like episode three onwards when we met bill and frank it was just like oh my god trauma it was the episode before that so true but i felt like the bill and frank one was like when it really like solidified that the show was gonna be and that's why it was emotional such a good and traumatic episode to have early on in in my opinion because it did very much kind of um establish the emotional stakes of the show yeah, it did it really did if that makes sense no for sure for sure yeah and while the way Tess died was very like traumatising mm. I wasn't particularly attached to her character no no not yet um I, yeah I actually when she popped up in episode 3 in the flashbacks the Bill and Joel stuff mm. Bill yeah and Joel, Bill and Frank stuff Billy Joel that was like almost <laughs> more emotional than her actual death yeah it gave us a bit more insight yeah and you got to see like the emotion yeah no for sure for sure anyway so acting was fantastic story phenomenal Mm -hmm. i feel like i totally because nick and like from what i'd kind of slightly seen online had said that it was like a zombie show i was expecting so much more action and it was really not that at all. <laughs> no, no, there really was not that yeah. many scenes with zombies in them. No, there it really wasn't. Like wasn't. Walking Dead esque, where it's just no. Yeah, like well, that's yeah. the thing. I think um, both Craig Mazin, Craig Mazin, and Neil Druckmann are the showrunners, but Neil Druckmann directed both games, right? Um, and Craig Mazin obviously has. But anyway, um. They specifically said that the reason they kind of kept the violence, like the action scenes, to a minimum Mm. was so that the violence would still have an impact. Yeah. That's fair. That's really fair. Because in shows like The Walking Dead, like Chelsea just said, it's like hack and slash, really. Yeah. You get desensitized to it. Exactly. It's like, oh, that's a cool action. Like in John Wick, by the time, by like the 18th action scene of the movie, you're like, yes, this is a very cool, slick action film. Yeah. Thinking about the. The people, story. the families they're yeah. leaving behind and the trauma. No, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. And they obviously had to work with a different medium because in the games, the character, like, <laughs> it's super violent, obviously, but, yeah. like, you shoot a character and they beg for their lives. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, please, I have a kid, I have a child, like, all this uh, stuff. And that's how they kind of get the, that same message across in the game. But yeah. obviously, you're not literally controlling yeah. people when you're watching TV, mm-hmm. so they have to find a different way to balance it yeah i think Mm. i think they did it well too i mean in general the emotional beats they hit consistently and so intensely was really really very impressive Mm. like characters that we were only introduced to that episode who then died i was like crying every time being like no i'm so sad that this person's dead like how can you make me love a character and then mourn their death in 40 minutes like that's impressive writing yeah it's very impressive writing. Absolutely. Um, okay, question about... Because I've seen... The main complaint I've seen online is that the action scenes cause some issues with pacing. I personally, especially watching it weekly, I didn't feel like there was pacing issues. But I also know the game and stuff, so I can't say it completely objectively. But did you guys find... You know, the only thing pacing-wise that I found a little weird was the last episode. I don't yeah. know what it was, but it just felt off pacing wise. Well, I think it almost didn't feel like a finale until like no. the last ten minutes, which was 
off-putting. But even still, the fact that they, um, like, didn't leave it on any sort of cliffhanger to me was a bit of a shock to my system. Yeah, interesting. To be honest. Very interesting. Because I'm so used to season finales with, like, them knowing that they're going to have future seasons to leave it on some sort of, Interesting. Do you not think that's a cliffhanger? I didn't really. Interesting. I guess... It's based on the viewer's interpretation of whether or not Joel, uh, Ellie knows Joel's lying. Yeah. I guess. But... Because if you think of it that way, where she knows he's lying and the relationships just change forever, kind of thing, that's kind of cliffhanger Yeah, I guess. In a non-traditional sense, then that is. Yeah, yeah. It's more of an emotional cliffhanger than it is, like, an actual action cliffhanger. Mm. Well, then, okay, I guess, naturally, we're kind of at the point where... What do we think of Joel's actions in the final episode? Because I have a really strong opinion about this, and I want to know yours. Interesting. First. Okay, can I quickly because it's say like the big two, moral? Yeah. Like trains of thought for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Because well, it's uh, either that Joel I mean, was, was right. This or has that been Joel literally wrong. like divisive since 2013. Yeah. Fair. When the game came out, there's been articles since, like nonstop. Um, Neil, I think Neil Druckmann put it in a good way where he said. If you ask a parent, someone who has a child, mm. if he did the right thing, they would say yes, he made the right choice. Yeah. yeah. But if you ask someone perhaps younger or who doesn't have a child, they might argue with that. Yeah. And I agree with that totally, but I also am like... Okay, well, it's it's quarter past five almost, so Chelsea, do you want to quickly put your opinion on which way you fall and then we can pause... Honestly, I'm on the fence about it. Really? Yeah. I think it's meant to be morally gray. Yeah. Yeah, it is meant to be it's morally like, gray. Ultimately, she is just one person, but I can completely understand why Joel reacted in that way. Mm. Like, it's kind of shit for the rest of the world to now not have, like, any sort of chance of a cure. But if it was someone that I cared about, I could empathize with Joel's situation and also the fact that they didn't tell Ellie yeah. at all well, they yeah, just knocked her out and yeah were... it's, I mean minor spoiler but that's a major theme in the second game yeah yeah is about the fact that both the doctors and Joel took her free will away and she yeah. wasn't able to make that she wasn't able to make that herself, herself. Yeah. yeah um so don't worry they do explore that more yeah because I do think that's the most interesting part of it yeah is is Joel knew full well she probably um, would have agreed. Yeah, yeah. and because that's like what Marlene says as well to him. Yeah. is like, it's what she would have wanted. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know. know that because you didn't actually ask her. And on top of that, she's actually 14 and has just very recently killed people that she loves. Like, as if she's not immediately going to be like, yeah, sure, kill me. I don't want to live this life anyway. I might as well have some kind of purpose. Like, I'm not even sure... Whether she actually, as a fourteen-year-old well, who is traumatized, actually should even well, get the you, choice. Do you yet? think that that's also why Joel said what he said and did what he did because he knew full well that she spent the first third of the episode being hardcore depresso, mm. yeah, and being really, really depressed and like not kind of feeling like there was purpose and stuff. And after the David stuff, um, she was yes again very, very emo. Um, do you not think that maybe he was like, well, even if they did give her the choice, she still would have said yes now, but she only would have said yes because she's so depressed. Because, yeah. Well, I don't know if that necessarily played into his decision making, but it absolutely 
is one of the reasons why I'm like Joel was completely correct. He absolutely did the right thing. Yeah. And I mean, she if it was not... like current situation and he was her parent or guardian, then he yeah. would have like medical rights over. Yeah, yeah. It's just. Now, do you well, think I that... think the other thing though is that if you put it into a wider context of being like, okay, that dude doesn't know what he's doing, the doctor guy doesn't know what he's doing. He did. There's no, sorry. I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing in terms of manufacturing a cure no. from Ellie. Like he, they have a vague idea. Of yeah, life. they're just hoping. I... It's a fungal infection, which means there isn't a vaccine anyway. We've never in the history of humanity been able to create a yeah, vaccine but they for a fungal infection. That's what they wanted to do. It wasn't a cure. It was a vaccine, right? Wasn't as it? far as I can tell um, from things that I've seen online, what they Ellie's cordyceps in the hopes that they would take over, and then all of. Interesting. Oh, I didn't they get didn't... that. I got vaccine. I mean, like, it could be that they had said a vaccine. But... It could totally be both. Yeah, um, I mean, that's way fucking but... smart on the be- vaccine. But because you can't develop a vaccine for a fungal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we say vaccine, then... but it's like we're just being something Immunity. preventative. Immunity. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, a cure. And then on top of that... They just have never had an immune person before, and they're just, like, not even going to bother with anything else. They're just going straight to, let's cut out the brain. Yeah. Like, maybe we could take a couple of days to think about that. Do other tests on her blood or whatever, instead of going straight to, let's chop her head out. Do you reckon maybe like, they did that back in Boston? With who? Well, they had Ellie for a couple Ellie, weeks. yeah. They- I mean, I guess. I guess they could have. Because when, it- when they first see the, the bite, Ellie's bite, it's just like, it's been weeks. And she hasn't turned. Yeah, and that's yeah, why they keep doing those tests with her. But as far as I could tell, they, they just say that explicitly did the though. tests from a distance and didn't take any blood. Yeah, just she turned, but that was just my. Well, I was. I didn't think that they'd done any testing on her because they didn't have any doctors. So, despite right? the fact that Marlene said definitively, this will give us a cure. Hmm. I think she's a liar. You think she's a liar? I think she's a liar. Well, I don't know. I don't know how she could say it that definitively. The thing with it is well, as well is that, like, it wouldn't stop any of the people that are already infected. It would just stop more people that are infected. So it's it's not like a cure-cure. It's just like... How are they even going to distribute it? If it's a cure or a vaccine and not what you were saying about the taking over the cordyceps, whether it's a cure or a vaccine, how are they even going to distribute it anyway? I think they're idiots. I think it's stupid. And I'm 100% on Joel's side. If Ellie wants to make the decision in five or whatever year's time, after they've run tests and have decided the only way we can go any further with this is to go into your brain, and she goes, I'm okay with that. I'm ready to die for it. What about the fact that Joel killed all the fireflies and now there's no fireflies left? I don't really care about that. No, but I mean, that's what I'm saying, is she can't make that decision in five years. That's really true. I mean, he has... That was it. That was their only chance. Yeah, he did definitely... They killed the only surgeon who had experience in this stuff. But I mean, do you think that someone else could do it? No. Well, I think that's the point, is that... Like, I mean, like, I mean, we they never kind really of, got... They struck... They got the lucky draw of both having someone immune and having someone in the fireplace who was capable of doing that. But... I, I wouldn't say what that about... it's impossible, but I would say that it's highly, highly, highly unlikely they'll find another person. But I'm not, not even specifically the fireflies, though. Like, would there maybe not be someone in Fedra who could do it? I don't really know. We didn't really like, Just out of the world, yeah, like in Jackson or something, potentially. Yeah. But the chances of those two things converging again. Yeah. Um, and especially people in the medical field would have suffered. 
Also, Ellie would have to be looking for this person alone. The fireflies don't exist. Also, though, I don't know if this is true or not, but isn't the dude who was a surgeon, and this maybe is influencing my thinking, but isn't he not is actually a... Is this a spoiler a... for her? It could be. What? Ah, it's fine. <laughs> Skip forward 15 seconds, Manny might be spoiling something. What? Oh, I don't know if I am fine. I won't say it. Okay, we are continuing to record without Chelsea. Back without... to two. Yes, back to us. Chelsea had to go. Sad. In the words of Agatha Christie. And then there was... Have you seen that? <laughs> it didn't really roll off the tongue very well. <laughs> Look, that's on Agatha Christie. Um, have you seen or read or watched the Agatha Christie and then there was not one? And then there was no, one? I haven't. I actually haven't read or watched much Agatha Christie at all, to be honest. I went through a kick during the pandemic where I watched every Agatha Christie adaptation there was. Right. Um, and the BBC's like three episode miniseries of And Then There Were None. Mm. Chef's Kiss. Fucking phenomenal. That's just a little extra review in there. That's a little extra review <laughs> in our The Last of Us review. Um, so, to circle back around to The Last of Us. God, what happened to being able to tangent? We didn't come up with a conclusion on the, the main moral question of the show, which is, did Joel do the right thing? I mean, there is an answer. And the answer is, he probably should have let them save humanity. But I, I don't also know that think is the answer. Well, that's kind of my thing. Is they're 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 both right. Like, I mean, instead I, of seeing I, I it think, as they're both wrong, I I think the issue. Is, I actually think it is that they're both wrong, and I think the issue is is that if you just take it at face value and go, should Joel have let them come up with a cure? Absolutely, yes, he should have. It was very selfish of him to not let them. But when you look at it as a wider picture and all the questions start to come up of, well, could they even have done it? How would they distribute it? Mm. Ellie was severely depressed. Is she even, which, what mm. choice would she have made? And is she in her mm-hmm. right mind enough to make it? Like, yeah. when you start to think about all of those outside factors, you definitely start to go, well, this is not black and white. This is very grey, which is almost what makes it such a compelling question and such a yeah, compelling I mean, series it's like a right? very basic not basic it's a very uh everything in the series and every like moral question i think can be kind of peeled back to very simple questions oh absolutely but they're not but i think that's what makes it good and worth it is that yeah exactly um like the central question for the entire overall narrative of both games and i mean you see it in the first season of the show as well the the kind of I guess, conundrum that love and too much love can be the most powerful thing. Mm. But remembering powerful is neutral. Powerful doesn't mean good or bad. Yeah. So yes. it can mean with Joel finding his will to live, but it can also mean Joel killing the fireflies and ch- like losing any chance of humanity. Yeah. And that's literally all because of his love, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, so actually that's something that I, I would say. If 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 going forward, just keep that theme mm. of love being powerful, whether it's good or bad, keep that in mind because I think it contextualizes a lot of stuff, even in the first season of the show. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like Bill and Frank again, the emotional well, stakes that they kind of brought in. It's exactly it what it's not. That. It's not just about Joel and Ellie and about their love. It's actually about every single person that we meet along the way. As you say, mm. it's about Bill and Frank. It's about Sam and Henry. It's about even um, Monica Kathleen. Lewinsky and yeah, <laughs> not Monica Lewinsky, <laughs> Kathleen and her brother, yeah. and even I mean, not necessarily David, but his love for being a creep. 
so true. But but definitely like within his the, their town, like the first thing we see is that they're mourning the dude that Joel killed in the last episode. Yeah. So like again, well, every single action in this game game in this narrative has consequences. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's another beautiful thing about the show is that those back to the talking about the violence mm. needing to be meaningful. It also means that every piece of violence, there's typically a consequence for their actions. Um, well, I also think what it did was it actually made what Joel did in the hospital, i.e. killing those fireflies, even the ones who surrendered to him, actually seem horrific was because we hadn't really seen that level of brutality. and Like, we'd seen it with one-on-one, but we hadn't seen it on mm. such a large scale until we got to him. Yeah. Uh, until we got to that scene. And I think that is what makes... Mum said to me the day after, she was like, I'm really disappointed in Joel. I was <laughs> like, Mum, you would have done that if it was me. And she said, well, yeah, obviously, but I'm still disappointed in him. And I think that's entirely because of, of how violent it was. Yeah. And particularly when he, again, when he killed that guy who'd surrendered, Mum was like... Oh, Joel. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I'm also, with him. <laughs> again, though, Pedro's performance of that. Oh, my God. Of him going, like, stone cold. Oh. Iconic. It was so um, iconic. With that music, like, because it almost, like, everything, like, there was no sound other really than the mm. music that was kind of happening. Um, That's the other, th- the um, soundtrack, the score. Oh, yeah. Very impressive. Is, um, any of the strings stuff yeah. is done by the same guy who scored the games. Love that. So his, I think his name is Gustavo Santanella, mm-hmm. um, and he's phenomenal. He's he's known yeah. for those kind of haunting, um, I think strings. Like yeah, yeah. It's literally him alone. He has plugs. He has um audio recording yeah. outlets in every room of his house, including the bathroom. Whack. Because if he thinks of a melody or I don't know fucking musical things, if he thinks of something or he realizes this would this scene feels like this and I can portray that feeling by doing this thing. He can literally just do it there. Iconic. I know. It's pretty iconic. That is Um, a level of dedication that I will never have. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what are the other aspects that we should probably touch on? I think the direction was solid. I mean, I guess really, I don't know if we necessarily need to talk about how, good of an adaption it was from the video game because I feel like that's been discussed at length. That's the main thing that I see is people say, I'm so impressed with how good of an adaption it was, how mm-hmm. closely it stuck to the source material, mm-hmm. but also changed and adapted it enough to really add to the story instead of yeah. taking away from it. Um, but I think the main thing there, which again, I know has been touched on a lot is I kind of really want to get your take on like the emotional beats of the game versus the tv show because i think when you're the one who's actually playing the game i don't like i don't know because it's so focused on joel's point of view and then on ellie's that totally i think a lot of stuff you don't see i think there's a lot that the game does do better purely because you're in it yeah um the immersion is very different to the immersion of television um but i also think that the game adapted everything really well the TV, um, you mean? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. the TV adapted all of the emotional beats really well. Most of <clears throat> the, like intense emotional scenes were lifted word for word from the game. Yeah. So I do think they held very um, much the same weight. Um, Which I think is really interesting because I've seen a lot of discourse in the past of people being like, "Oh, well." <coughs> 
book, Sorry. you're right. Book to book to movie or book to TV show. Oh, they didn't do a very good job. Like they didn't hit the same things that I wanted to. I really wanted to see this scene and how it played yeah. out on TV. And then other people are like, well, what did you want to do? Did you want them to lift it? straight from the book and put it into the show like that would be really boring to see it rehashed but i actually think that it i mean i didn't play the game but i saw a lot of like comparisons i think it it did add to it i don't think it was just rehashing any scene like main scenes they cut yeah it was almost all gameplay stuff right so there's two oh sorry there's two action sequences in the game that people are I don't want to say upset about because I think everyone's just grateful to have a good adaptation of yeah. a great the most game. awarded game in history. Yeah. Um, a second most awarded game in history. Is the second one? It's No, the first... For, the most oh. awarded game in history is The Last of Us Part 2. Ah. Oh. Huh. The second most awarded game in history is The Last of Us Part 1. How interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, yeah, the two big scenes from the sh- big moments from the game that weren't in the show are just two hour two action sequences. Right. So one of them is after Henry and Sam, mm-hmm. but before, yeah, no, it is. Okay. I think it is after Henry and Sam. Um, there's a hotel sequence where right. essentially they get separated yep. in a clicker infected. Right. Hotel. Joel falls down a shaft, um, elevator shaft thing. Um, and, people it's a really really memorable moment in the game because it's the first time you kind of um get overwhelmed by right. the infected so you're in this basement it's known as the generator scene and it's right. like infamous for being one of the most like on the edge of your seat intense gaming moments ever um it's like he's in the basement of the hotel it's flooded mm-hmm. there's i don't know if we saw stalkers in season one there's stalkers everywhere right um which are in between runners, the newly infected, and clickers, the clickers, obviously. <laughs> so they've got some fungal growth coming out of their head and stuff. Yeah. But the whole, but they're not, um, they still have some vision left, so they aren't relying on the um, echolocation. Right. So they're completely silent, and they're able to kind of hide behind things and stalk them. Right. So they kind of just jump out at you and you'd like, yeah. make you shit yourself. So they're full of them, mm-hmm. and clickers and shit. And then when you turn the generator on, a massive big shambler chases you through the entire level and you've got to like swipe the key card quickly to get out and do all this stuff. And it's like really, really intense. People are upset about that. And people are upset in what would have been the last episode before the giraffes, um, they go through a tunnel. Right. And it's in full of infected Tons of shambles, tons of clickers, like the whole right. day. Um, and it's just kind of, as a set piece, really, really cool. Um, but from what I've seen, and I'm very immersed in the online stuff, they're the kind of, they're really the two things that people missed. And they're both, again, gameplay moments. They're not narrative moments. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, the first one, it sounds like it was just, would just be an interesting scene to have i don't probably they just cut it for time i would be imagining but the second one before the giraffes like immediately my thought was well like that kind of makes sense that they would cut that from the final episode because the final episode they want to really lead up to that brutality of joel in the hospital and really focus on that um because it's really it's the only moment of violence really in the whole show in the whole episode sorry so 
it makes sense that they'd be like, no, we're putting a spotlight on this. Nothing else is happening except for that. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And as you say, like, well, as, as you said, that they said it makes sense to not have much violence in it so that it's still yeah. very intense. Um, so it makes sense that they would they would get rid of them. But I also understand why people would be like, well, if like if this is the first moment that you really get really overwhelmed or it's a very particularly memorable moment in the in the game yeah i'm not i don't really i mean i don't miss it it's in the game the only narrative moment in it is that joel escapes the basement and he gets attacked by a basically right he gets attacked by an alive human um and he's like getting choked to death and ellie shoots him and that's the first that we see we obviously know that she had to kill riley yeah but it's the first time she kills someone that we see but they kind of replaced that or did that anyway well they didn't she, in... I, honestly, she might not in there. I can't even remember that scene in the game. I don't know if she killed him or she just shot him, but either way. Yeah. They did replace it, yes, with the scene in um, yeah. Kansas. Kansas. Um, yeah. So they didn't really cut the narrative point of it. No, not even. Really. Um, the other... Oh, structurally, the only things I would have changed is for the Left Behind episode, the... Um, Ellie and Riley flashback episode mm. and the David pedophile mm. culty winter section. Mm. I probably would have structured them more in the vein of um, episodes five and six in Kansas in that I would have interspersed the flashbacks throughout right. the two episodes right. or not even the two episodes. Just I think they should have cut back to present day because in the game you don't actually, you think Joel's dead. Right. So it he in the game he falls on rebar. He falls on um. Yeah, that's right. I saw thing. someone say that. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then it cuts to black after right. he, they get they escape the raiders that they kill, um, or the cult people that they kill. It cuts to black, and then for the first time in the game, you're playing as Ellie, mm. and she's alone and she's hunting for right. the rabbit or whatever. Um. And she comes across David. Mm-hmm. And it's not until he says, what do you need? Food, clothes, medicine. And she jumps at medicine. That's when you find out Joel's alive still. Right. Um, and I think they probably could have played with the suspense of that a bit longer. Even knowing everyone knows he's not dead. But like, I think it still would have been effective when you're immersed in the episode kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel that way, but I under- But I also didn't play the games. So mm. I can understand why you would feel that way. My biggest actual structural problem with the show, funnily enough, was actually the Bill and Frank episode because it was so disconnected from the wider narrative. But I loved the episode so much and thought it was so beautifully written that I still wouldn't change it. Like... I've seen people say they wanted it later in the season. I don't know about... And they would have... Or, or even switched. Yeah. The Ellie and yeah. The two standalone-ish. They're not bottle episodes. They're standalone-ish episodes. I don't know if I agree with that purely because I do think it sets up the stakes of. I've said it like twenty times this episode, but the emotional stakes, like. No, well, the, this is what I'm it's, saying. It's, it's world building and context and and all of that, and I think we do need that pretty early in the narrative. I definitely agree. And again, I do think that it was very important and I wouldn't change it. Mm. Um, because I genuinely think that that 
story in that episode is one of the most beautiful episodes of TV. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't change it, but I do think that it's so disconnected from the rest of everything that's going on. And if you had, if you did remove that whole thing, it would make absolutely no difference to the wider story, you know? Um, so because Ellie doesn't meet Bill and Frank by the time Joel and Ellie get there, they're yeah. dead. Like, I, even if they'd been alive or dead, it, it wouldn't have changed anything because they still would have gotten what they needed and gone on. Yeah, I don't think there was really any winning with that particular issue because if they had of... So say they made it so that... You know how they say, I want one last day, one good last yeah. day. And then if they had of had Ellie and Joel rock up like the day before that yeah. and we don't see Frank, Frank's yeah. in the bed sick or in, you know, yeah. ill... And it was just Bill, and Bill's grumpy, and for that reason, yeah. Um, and then Ellie and Joel leave, and then we have the next day is the last, yeah, day, the last good day, whatever. Even if they did do something like that, where it was more, uh, yeah, connected to the wider connected, story, connected. Um, and we had Ellie and, and and Frank interact and stuff. Ellie and Bill, Bill interact and stuff. I think it would satisfy that, but I don't. I think it would ruin the emotional stuff. The emotional, yeah, the tension, the um, the beat, yeah. Correct. Yeah. No, for sure. So I for don't sure. Know if there is winning in that. Yeah. Respect. I actually, I actually think that the Ellie's left behind episode was a bit more jarringly. Interesting. Um, disconnected. Not obviously not narrative. Not disconnected. It gives very, very vital context to Ellie as a person and stuff. It's literally the well, main character's backstory. I think. I think that is probably why. And I also think because that episode was sandwiched with present scenes That's the thing, is... i think is why it felt like it much more naturally fit but that doesn't mean it's necessarily true <laughs> see i think it naturally fit yeah but i don't think it was i think it was we went from joel potentially dying yeah to immediately finding out he's alive and just passed out yeah and then an entire episode of flashback no, for sure. It was a I weird... I think it kind of interrupted it in a weird way. I think it was necessary, and I think I really loved the episode, and I think it was a good episode. Um, I, I just, I guess... And honestly, potentially, they could have done it with more with um, Bill and Frank, too. Perhaps just um, played with... In a slightly with, different spot. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. played with kind of the structure a little bit to... Um, yeah. Make it flow... Well, well they did it, but not not interrupt it as much. Does that make sense? They did it in a really, really specific way in the whole season, which is when they did a flashback, they committed to the whole fucking thing. They did. Which I did like the because full... it obviously. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, like, there's obviously multiple ways that you can do flashbacks, but they picked one and they stuck with it the whole season. So I think by the time you get to Ellie's backstory you're kind of used to it. You're like, oh, okay, I know I'm going back in time and I know we're fucking doing that for the whole episode, you know? But I do Mm. agree with what you mean. Like, I definitely, at the end of that episode, I was like, but wait, I didn't see anything about Joel. Well, it didn't move the story (laughs) forward. at all. At a point in the story where it's moving quickly. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what I was trying to say. And I didn't say it well. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, you put it well that it... um, it was like they cut it in the middle of an action scene and put this episode long flashback. Yeah, yeah. Which Perhaps was... even if they, instead of the beginning of the episode showing Ellie and Joel in present day, 
I think yeah. if they had started the episode with the flashback. Yes. And just gone to that. And then at you the know, end. A cold open with the flashback. Yeah. Credits. Then we see that Joel's alive and stuff. And then we yeah. get the rest of the Ellie and stuff at the mall. Yeah. So, like, we could have easily had the cold open be um, Ellie and Riley. All of the stuff that happened in the episode. Up to the point where Ellie and Riley... Uh, Ellie agrees to sneak out with Riley. Yeah. Credits. Present day, we find out Joel's alive and stuff. Yeah. Ellie goes off to hunt. Flashback to the... Yeah. I mean, they could have done that, and I think it would have made more sense, but again, obviously, they, well, there's, they uh, picked I'm, a way I'm, I'm saying this because of what you said, it. and I, I agree with what you said, that they they chose that flashback method, that kind of yeah. narrative device, and stuck with it. Do you think that if they had have done it in two separate ways, one, Bill and Frank being the entire episode uninterrupted, and then the second flashback episode being kind of a bit more structurally um, non-linear, do you think that having two different types of flashback episode would have maybe made it feel a bit more? I mean, no, I don't think so because I think the reason why I'm so, I felt so okay with all of the different flashbacks was because retrospectively I was like, Oh, well they did it all in the same way. I know what to expect from these flashbacks. But as every single time, as I was watching them, I was like, Oh, I don't care about this. Take me back to the present time. I want a present time. This is so weird. I don't understand why this is going in here. This doesn't make any sense. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I understand why it went in there. And it did make sense. Interesting. And... I'm opposite. Oh, I was, interesting. As I was watching it, I was engrossed and I was emotional and I cry. And yeah. I was super not thinking of anything else. But then when it ended, I was like, that was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Maybe yep. it could have, they could have given us a bit more present day story. I don't know. Well, honestly, like, this I is think my literal can... only real complaint about the show. I feel like we could probably argue it as well to the cows come home. I think it's such a subjective thing. And again, they made a creative decision and they stuck with it. And I think overall that made the whole first season make like sense. Yeah. Structural sense. Um, I think, I, I think if they'd done it multiple different ways, it would have been a bit like, Oh, why did they just do one whole episode with Bill and Frank? Mm. just that one time <laughs> you know <laughs> well i also think that we went straight from the ellie left behind flashback episode to ellie being alone with david for the whole episode and them not being reunited yeah. until the very end that's so it was basically two episodes back of to us back not of... having ellie and joel together yeah do you think maybe if they did uh, ha- if they added an extra episode to the season honestly i'm not really sure because i think the thing that makes those two episodes feel different from the rest is that it's really really clear that we're not focused on joel for the first time in the series um yeah true okay yeah um which is obviously what happens in the game yeah right and it does make sense because joel is bedridden but up until that point you think that joel is the main character and then suddenly we're focusing on ellie and ellie's full backstory and what ellie's doing in the camp and it's really good don't get me wrong but it does make you go a bit like oh wait a second (laughs) what's going on here Mm. Yeah. Again, we're only talking about this specific thing because it's, like, the only real complaint. Oh, absolutely. It's not even a complaint. It's the only real, like, um... Well, it's not a complaint because there are multiple ways to do it, but that doesn't mean that one is righter than the other. There's just different ways to do it. And also, it doesn't fucking matter because... It's still extremely satisfying. And episode three, for me, is one of the best episodes of television of all time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, all right, let's wrap it up. Okay. Nine out of ten. <laughs> For me, nine out of ten. <laughs> nine out of ten. Same. Cute. I, yeah, I wouldn't really... Even if they were like, 
time travel and change one thing about the show. No. I don't know that I would. I don't, I don't know that it, I would either. I don't think I, I could think, do it any better than they did it. Exactly. And I think um, even how it all unfolded with episode one and two being yeah. mushed together and yeah. being an hour and a half long, I think that ended up working well and in their favour. It gave us, as the audience, more time Yeah. to connect in the pilot than... Well, I, I most other pilot. I, I don't think I've ever seen a pilot that's. Well, I think you're absolutely correct because it meant that we spent a lot of time at the beginning in like the 2003 with Sarah and with Joel, mm. um, and it also meant that when they did that fast forward to 20 years, you were kind of like, oh, okay, I understand why they've done this. We've started with that mm. so that we can understand what happened, what's happened to Joel. But I think if that had been its own episode and then we'd gone 20 years in the future in a second episode, I would have been like, what? Oh, no, not having Ellie until episode two would have made zero sense. No, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, not even just about Ellie. No, that's what it was. That's they At the end of episode one, originally, um, the viewer met Ellie. Joel and Ellie didn't even meet in episode one. Interesting. It was episode two. Uh, well, I mean, it's not even necessarily about Joel and Ellie meeting. It's actually just about the 20 years difference. I would have been like, oh, this show is actually sent 20 years past right, this. Right, right, They would have had to yeah. make the Sarah flashback, the Sarah 2003 stuff, five minutes instead of 20. Yeah, yeah. For it to make Yeah, if, if that's what they would, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I'm kind of even rethinking things as I do I'm talking because I'm like, well, technically 20 minutes, there was like a 20 minute, 20, 25 minute flashback of the 2003 Sarah stuff. Mm-hmm. It was really In the first long. episode. Yeah. And then but there was two more like flashback, flashback episodes. So it I'm didn't like, feel like a flashback when we did it. It felt like the beginning of the story. Yeah, but it's like, looking back retroactively, that's an yeah. entire chunk of yeah, like I guess. half an hour yeah. of the episode where yeah. it's not focused on Joel yeah. or, or Ellie. It's, it's just um, about a character and it's giving context and it's giving world building and it's yeah. giving emotional themes and mm. thematic relevance and stuff like yeah anyway we're gonna wrap up so well, uh, yeah what i'm trying to say is even looking back at it and kind of reevaluating episode one i don't think i think that episode one then gives the whole season kind of a um, yeah no for sure they set it up really well i don't think that the flashback episodes are so out of place when i'm thinking about episode one now does that make sense yes it does yeah, because three's a pattern, two is a coincidence, but three's yeah. a pattern. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good one. Hi, it's future Maddie and Nick. Woo! We are just again. hopping again. We are <laughs> just hopping on to say goodbye. Yay! Um, Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, and please follow us on Instagram and TikTok at mm-hmm. WTFIH Podcast. Woo! Um, all the links are down below as usual. Yay. Um, also, we just saw Scream 6, and it was really good. Yeah, it so was actually, that. it was very, yeah, it was enjoyable. If you like the other films, you're going to like this one. Yeah. But if you don't like the other films, then... Well, I don't know why you would be five movies deep. It's really true. Like <laughs> yeah, that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is all. Yay. Thank <clears throat> you. That's just a good bite, but popcorn <clears throat> breath. God. Thank you Thank very you so much, much for listening, listening to What the, the Fuck is Happening, happening the, the Podcast. podcast. Bye. <laughs>
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.